Before we get started, a quick reminder that you can hear both of our weekly episodes of the Tom and Hawk Football Show on Amazon Music. Just go to Amazon.com slash football show to listen to both our Monday and Wednesday shows each week through the rest of the football season. What's up, everybody? I'm Andrew Hawkins. And I'm Joe Thomas, and this is the mini cast of the Tom and Hawk Football Show. Five stories in 10 minutes from around the league, but it's Super Bowl week, so, you know, have a little grace with us. Let's get after it, Hawk! All right, Joe, the story that has continued to dominate the NFL media cycle is not Super Bowl. It's the lawsuit that Brian Flores has brought against the NFL for racial discrimination practices around coaching. Also in the suit, he alleges that the owner of the Miami Dolphins offered him $100,000 for every loss that their team accumulated so they can get a higher draft position. There is so much going on in the suit. Footnote, they have a new head coach, Mike McDaniel, who we both know. We'll get into that in the longer form episode. But Joe, what do you make of all of this? Yeah, I think the NFL has two huge issues that they have to look into. And I'm not exactly sure they're totally related. But the first one, which is the big one we should talk about first, is that the NFL is almost three quarters black players and many Coaches go from playing to coaching, then they work their way up the coaching ladder to be coordinators and head coaches. And as of a couple weeks ago, there was only one black head coach in the NFL, even though Mike Tomlin had an enormous amount of success up to this point in Pittsburgh, never posting a losing season. So you'd think the success that he had, owners would look at that and say, hey, maybe these black coaches that are in the assistant coaching ranks would do a great job in the role of head coach because for many reasons, but especially because they understand the players because they've stood in their shoes. But it doesn't seem to be happening. And I'm curious, Hawk, where we see discrimination and what is the NFL going to be able to do about it? That's a great, great point. Great question. Even the Mike Tomlin situation, right? Like he literally has never had a losing season in what, 14, 15 years. No one's ever done that. You shouldn't need to be the most consistent coach in NFL history to get an opportunity. Like you should be able to go there and suck just like the plethora of white coaches who have also gotten that opportunity and sucked. And it hasn't stopped them from getting jobs. The Brian Flores situation is super disheartening for all the reasons you mentioned. He grows up in Brownsville, Brooklyn, one of the toughest neighborhoods in New York City. He is a massive Giants fan. His family are Giants fans. He goes and plays at the Division I level at Boston College, one of the best colleges in the world. And he uses football as an opportunity to set examples to other people and kids coming from his situation. He's coached in the NFL for 20 years. He has four Super Bowl trophies. And not only that, when he gets the opportunity, Joe, he brings back-to-back winning seasons for the first time in an organization that hasn't done that in 20 years. He is the most successful Miami Dolphins coach in this century, and he still gets fired. So it really is sad. There really is an issue. And the bigger problem for him, I think, is like people ask, why would he do it? Well, a number of reasons. But you can you imagine going through all of that? And as down as you are, especially when you actually outperformed anybody who came before you to get an opportunity to coach for your hometown team, only to find out from a mentor, the guy you look up to mm. most in Bill Belichick, that you never really even had a chance mm. before you stepped in the door. After all the preparation, you probably had butterflies. You're talking to your family. Everyone think it's going to be a homecoming. You think you have a legit shot. That would send me over the edge too, Joe. Yeah, if anybody has any empathy and you're willing to put yourself in another man's shoes and you feel the pain that Flores had to go through to think that this was his opportunity to come back home and he hears from his mentor that the interview he was about to go on was completely a sham and it was set up only because of the color of his skin, that has got to be the most 
hopeless, worthless mm. feeling that a human being can possibly experience, and it's terrible. Hawk, obviously a lot to unpack there. Don't have time on the minicast, but we'll talk about that in our longer form episode on Wednesday. Moving on to the Super Bowl topic here. The Bengals are one of the youngest teams in the NFL with an average age of just over 25 years old. They haven't been to a Super Bowl in over 30 years. But Hawk, is this a fluke? Or are the Bengals actually going to be Super Bowl contenders for many years to come? Keeping that Hawkins family excited. This is not a fluke year. They will be contenders for years to come because they are built the right way. The NFL is set up to have parity. The NFL is set up for the bad teams to eventually get good. The good teams will eventually be bad. If you trust the process and you're not like the Rams, who, again, they go for it all out the gate and it's worked, so kudos to them. But eventually your time will come. And I just feel like the Bengals era is here because they were able to build this team, to your point, in such a way that they have talent across the board and they are extremely young. So they will only get better because their biggest weakness right now is offensive line. They elected to go with Jamar Chase instead of Panay Sewell brilliantly. And now they have the best young receiving core in the league. They have one of the best running backs in the league. And next year, they will likely go beef up their offensive line, which will make them only better, especially when they have a guy like Joe Burrow at the ham. Yeah, the only way to hack the NFL's parity is to have one of those top tier one quarterbacks and the Bengals have it with Joe Burrow. So as long as Joe Burrow is under center, he is the guy that can lead him to a Super Bowl every single year. So keep that rest of that roster together as long as you can, because Joe Burrow is going to give him a chance to win a Super Bowl every single year. On the other side of that Super Bowl matchup on the Rams, the offensive coordinator, Kevin O'Connell, has had a lot going on outside of the big game coming up. He was signed as the Minnesota Vikings head coach. They'll announce that officially once the game is over. He beat out Jim Harbaugh, which was going to take over in Minnesota. So my question is, Joe, what is going through the minds of the players knowing that the guy calling the plays is out of there pretty soon? Yeah, uh, Jim Harbaugh was also surprised by this because he showed up for the interview thinking that he was signing the papers to take the job. <laughs> he had his hat that was a Minnesota Vikings hat in his briefcase and his purple blazer only Woo-woo. to be turned down for our guy, Kevin O'Connell, former Browns quarterbacks coach. But um, I think it's, it's going to be an interesting thing for him. But the good news for Kevin O'Connell is that Sean McVay, by and large, is the brainchild of this offense. He is the biggest part of the game plan and getting these guys prepared. So the fact that Kevin O'Connell is going to be the Minnesota Vikings coach, I don't think it really detracts at all from this game or the game plan, especially when you consider they had an extra week to prepare. So it's like going through a bye week and still getting a regular week to practice for the Super Bowl game. So the fact that he's taking that other job, I think if nothing else, the players are excited for him and want to send him off on a good note. Yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't think it matters to the Rams players. They just want to win a football game, right? Like they they don't care where your next job is. A lot of them won't be there next year. Honestly, each year the teams are different because players leave, coaches leave. I think it's just a testament to what they've done. And specifically Sean McVay, who is now in his second Super Bowl and, you know, already put two coaches in the chief seat as it pertains to NFL coaching. Something that was not interesting this weekend. The NFL Pro Bowl was in Las Vegas. Justin Herbert and Max Crosby were named game MVPs, probably because they were the only two guys that gave any effort out there at the Pro Bowl. (laughs) But Hawk, here's the real question about the Pro Bowl, because the only news that was made during this weekend with the Pro Bowl was the fastest man and how the cheetah did not win. But is there something that we need to do with this Pro Bowl game to tweak, to make it better? Or is this something the NFL should just scratch and not even try to play a Pro Bowl anymore? 
Yeah, man. I, I love the Pro Bowl in theory, but I watched a couple of the plays this weekend and I immediately went to go do something else just because that is not the version of football I am interested in. I mean, if you're going to do that, honestly, and this isn't me being joke, tongue in cheek, give them flags, give them flags and play some version of flag football, gator football, whatever it is. Come up with a cool game that they'll play because two-hand tag with equipment on just looks stupid. It looks silly. It looks like you're watching a walkthrough. And honestly, I've seen walkthroughs more intense than what the Pro Bowl was. I don't know what the fix is. I'll kick that back to you. You played in 10 of them, Joe. Were you out there just going through the motions when you were in the Pro Bowl? Yeah, for me as an offensive lineman, my job is as a bodyguard no matter what happens out there. So I'm always going as hard as the guy across from me is going because I don't care what the stakes are, whether it's exhibition game, whether it's regular season, whether it's the Super Bowl or the Pro Bowl. If that dude across from me is trying to murder my boys behind me, playing quarterback, playing running back, I got to block him as hard as I possibly need to. So if the defensive line is lazy, then I get to be lazy and drink water and enjoy my ties on the sidelines <laughs> uh, at the Pro Bowl. But for me, the big question is always, why do we expect these guys to go out with hardly anything on the line compared to what their salaries are and to go kill each other for a meaningless game? I mean, if you look at the NBA All-Star game, those guys give no effort. And really, injury is a minor risk in basketball, especially when you compare it to football. So the idea of guys playing hard in an All-Star game is something that happened 20 or 30 years ago when the dollars you could make winning a Pro Bowl game were much greater in comparison to what your salary is. So until players are either paid millions of dollars to win the Pro Bowl or their salaries aren't in the tens of millions of dollars, you're just not going to see guys put it on the line with injury risk out there in an NFL Pro Bowl game. All right, last thing, Joe. Cincinnati school districts will be giving their students off the Monday after the Super Bowl. No remote learning required. My question, why why stop in Cincy? Should the Monday after the big game, the Super Bowl, the granddaddy of them all, it's actually not what it is, but I'll call it that for the sake of this podcast, but should the day after be a national holiday and everybody get off that Monday? I like that idea. I mean, there's going to be almost half of the country watching this game. And if you're on the East Coast or Central Time, it's going to be way past your bedtime. So let's just give everybody off, make it a holiday, allow everybody to enjoy the beautiful pageantry of Super Bowl Sunday. And then we don't have to worry about if your team wins or loses. Should you go to school? Should you not go to school? Let's just make it that national holiday. Because when I think about it, it's a lot like deer hunting in Wisconsin. A lot of communities, deer hunting is a big deal. So kids during the week of deer season get the entire week of school off because it's a time to spend with your families. And what a better way to spend time mm. with your family than after a Super Bowl relishing in whatever happens in the game. I think we double whammy it. I think we get a little bit of a census going with it. Uh, sports betting is up, right? And I think what we do is we have every American pick who they think wins. And if you pick the loser, you have to go to work and school. But if you pick the winner, <laughs> you get off. Like that. that way we yes. all have a little vested interest in it. How you feel about that? I like that. I think what we need to do is further ingrain the gambling culture with the fabric <laughs> yes. of America so that people can't escape any of the gambling, any of the alcohol sales, all those vices. Mm -hmm. That's what's more American than vices. Exactly. We got a national debt to, to chip away at. Everybody gets in on the action, okay? <laughs> Well, Joe, that does it for this week's minicast episode. And don't forget to add the Tom and Hawk football show flash briefings in your Alexa app. And then tell Alexa, play my flash briefings to hear the Monday minicast through your Echo device. All right, Joe, take us out, man. Joe Hawk yourself.